In this episode, I'm talking about the Barbie movie and then music from Tears for Fears, Devin Townsend, Peter Gabriel, and someone else, Ed Sheeran. That's the one. I'm not redoing this intro. I'm your host, Eric Brink, and you are listening to Empty Checking. Checkmates, it's your old Uncle Derek coming to you from a cold, cold night in St. Louis, Missouri. We are, winter is here. Winter has, well not sprung, spring has sprung. Winter has winted, winter has turd, winter has turd, that's not, you know, you don't want that. It's cold outside, and uh, we are experiencing it here in St. Louis. We had a brief warm-up to 40 degrees, but we've been in negative temperatures and single digits and stuff. Not as bad as some places in the country, but it's gotten really, really cold. Winter is now making up for being late and not being here in time for, for Christmas, which I'm okay with. A lot of people are upset about it, all those those sunshine-loving freaks. They're, they're all bummed out that, you know, it's cold outside. And I understand it being bummed that it gets dark early, but you know what? It'd be getting dark earlier no matter what we did with the time, so that's not entirely winter's fault. Uh, that's just what the sun does. Sunshine-loving freaks hate the sun sometime of the year. Uh, yeah, I don't, uh, I, don't, I, I don't mind winter. I kind of like it, actually, because I, I, I mean, I'm sure I've even said on this show before, I can only take so much off in the summer, even around the house. I don't want to sit around naked. And even then, you know, it's still not like it's often it still wouldn't be enough to just be naked in the heat. Uh, and, you know, there's only so much ice that they'll let you pour down your pants in public. So uh, I but in winter, yeah, it gets cold, but I can put on a sweater, you know, like I worked all day today and I did it in, in socks wearing grippy socks. I, I accidentally bought grippy socks, like I ordered socks off the internet, and what delivered were like no-show grippy socks, and I feel like I should be walking around in a hospital. In fact, maybe I should just go walk around in a hospital and see if they'll treat just fucking anything that's going on with me. Uh, but yeah, I, I put on some socks, I put on a long sleeve shirt, and was fine. And you can't do that in summer. You can only get so naked, you can only have so much ice down your pants, and, uh, that's, uh, them's, them's the breaks. Uh, so, yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's cold in St. Louis, finally. And people are upset, except for me. That's just kind of where we are. Uh, you know what, I'm gonna get it out of the way. If you like this show, and by now, who possibly couldn't? If you like the show, there is a companion blog with photos and other information over at emptychecking.blogspot.com. The show itself is hosted at emptychecking.podbean.com. It's available on all the streaming apps, including the one that you're listening to it on now. If it's not on your app of choice, please let me know and I will do what I can to get it there. If you want to know more about me and particularly my music career, go on over to derekbrink.com. Lots of stuff to click on there. If you like the music that you hear throughout the show, you can download it for absolutely free. Just enter zero as your purchase price. I don't collect your email address. I won't even know that you took it. I would just love it if you loved it. And you do that at derekbrink.bandcamp.com or 
at fromthebrink.bandcamp.com, depending on what song it is. I always have links to the songs in the episode descriptions. If that doesn't show up, like if those links don't show up on your app of choice, it's available over at the blog. And if you want to email me and talk to me about stuff, like what uh, what I said that you agreed with, what I said that you didn't agree with, if you just want to tell me about your day, describe your favorite t- type of tree, what kind of dreams you've been having, whatever you want to email to me, you can do that at my initials, db at derekbrink.com, and I reply to everybody who isn't mean to me in their email. Speaking of which, I had a few people who were mean to me in their emails recently. Uh, boy, Cohen Brothers fans, you, uh, turned out after my, <laughs> comments in the last episode about not being a big fan of the Big Lebowski, and I, I, I don't, you know, I, I honestly haven't re-listened to it, but I don't think I was that disparaging to the Coens in general. I think I just kind of said that I'm not huge on them, which is not an insult. You know, like, just because something's not for me, that doesn't make it bad. And by the way, I don't have to like everything that's good. Uh, So, you know, there's plenty of Coen Brothers stuff I like. There's plenty of stuff that the Coen Brothers did that a lot of you referenced that I forgot was them. Sorry. But uh, just not a Lebowski guy. That's it. That's all I meant. Look, the Coen Brothers are great at what they do. Sometimes I don't quite... I'll put it on me. Sometimes I don't understand fully what they're doing, or I see what they're doing and go, oh, okay, well, they're doing that, and that's the end of my thought process for that movie. But that doesn't make it bad. And you know what? You loving it also doesn't make it good, although I'm absolutely willing to concede that it's good. But, I mean, come on. It's, it's movies. Quit yelling at me. An email form. I don't... I don't yell at you in email form. I yell at you verbally on this show. You, you just, I, 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 what I'm saying is I heard you, Coen Brothers fans. It's okay. I still love you. I still tolerate them. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I can't not dig myself deeper. I, uh, no, I do like a lot of Coen Brothers stuff. I just Some of the major touchstones I kind of shrug at, and Lebowski's one of them. Lebowski, I just feel like, was a stoner comedy, but not enough of a stoner comedy that it got goofy enough for me to really embrace it. Like, for example, a Kevin Smith movie. It didn't get slapsticky enough for my taste to be that, you know, it has to be really absurdly silly for me to kind of go, oh, that stoner comedy was a lot of fun. You know, and like the jokes don't, like, aren't about that, you know? Like the Kevin Smith jokes that don't work for me are actually about the the drugs, you know, like the other stuff is just kind of like, yeah, just ridiculous shit that happened. But like Lebowski, I felt like didn't know if it was a comedy or if it was a drama and it tried to do both. We call that a dramedy. And for most of you out there in the world, look, I know it's me. For most of you, it did it perfectly. For me, I kind of walked away feeling like I wish they'd have picked one. That's it. That's it. The acting performances were great. I love John Goodman. I got nothing against the Daniels guy. I forgot which Daniels he is. Jeff Daniels? Yes. Uh, I I got nothing against him. Sorry. Uh, Loved him in The Fisher King, for example, and so on. Got nothing against uh, Steve Buscemi. Firefighter helped out on 9-11. Love Steve Buscemi. Just, you know, sorry. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. You know what? Hey, look, I'll watch it again. It's been a while. 
I'll watch it again. I'm in my 40s now, maybe my tastes have changed a little. Shit, I didn't used to like vodka, but I'm drinking it right now. That's part of why this intro has gone on this long with me talking about the Coen brothers and digging myself deeper. I'll, I'll watch it again, and I'll report back to you. How about that? Is that okay? Can we call a truce, Coen fans, until I've watched the movie again? That's all I'm asking. Some of you were very nice about it, but a lot, uh, several of you were not. The word Philistine was used. Not a lot of people, you don't, you don't hear Philistine a lot unless you're, like, reading the Bible. You, you, don't, you don't hear that a lot these days. Got called a Philistine. I didn't reply back because I don't reply to people who are mean to me in their emails, but I wanted to reply back and call the person a Sadducee and see what they did with that. Uh, or or maybe, a, maybe a Pharisee? A Pharisee or a Sadducee? One of the two, if we're going to use biblical words. Anyway, how's by you? Uh, that was uh, <laughs> that was part of my week. I've had a long week there, Checkmates. You'll notice this episode's probably going to go up a little later than uh, the Thursday that I was hoping to go for with this uh, this year of the show. I'm just going to call it. This year it's going to be Saturdays. <laughs> it's going to be Saturdays, maybe even Sundays. Uh, you're you're going to notice this one's going up late. It's been a week, and it's not even over yet, so... Uh, hope you're doing okay out there in Checkmateville, Checkmateburg, Checkmateland, Checkmedia, Checkmedia? Don't like it. Come up with a name for your for like where you are. Come up like you are the Checkmates. Come come up with a name for the congregational city of Checkmates, and let me know what it is at dbatderekbrink.com, and I'll start saying it if it comes up again, which it won't. Probably. But somebody email that to me. You emailed me about the Cohen brothers. You can email me about that. In the meantime, we got a lot of stuff that I'm looking forward to talk about. We're to, let, let me try that whole damn sentence again. In the meantime, we've got a number of things that I'm looking forward to talking about. That still didn't feel good. I'm going to talk about a lot of things, and I'm looking forward to doing that. That one worked okay. And uh, uh, we're just kind of going to catch up on some stuff that I meant to talk about last year, and I just failed to talk about. And some of it's even from 2022, and I meant to get to it in 2023, and I just plain didn't. But we're in that weird little bubble of January where nothing is really happening yet that I want to talk about, like no major releases or anything, and so on and so on. So we're just going to talk about what I didn't talk about last year. Doing a little bit of catch-up this week. So uh, stay tuned for that and uh, quit yelling at me about how much you love the Coen brothers. I understand, I accept it, and I'm working to get better. Checkmates, one of the things that I forgot to talk about in 2023, I guess I just didn't get around to talking about in 2023, that makes me sound a little bit better, is that uh, I didn't, I haven't talked to you about the Barbie movie yet. Just didn't happen. No agenda on that, just didn't happen. But hey, now I've got a Blu-ray, 
We can put a picture on the blog, and so we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the Barbie movie. I know I'm ridiculously late to the conversation. Most of you have moved on, and you're talking about some other movie. What's out? What movies are I don't know what movies there are anymore. I don't... It, it, but I know most of you have moved on, is the point. But uh, I'm going to talk to you about uh, about the Barbie movie and my take on that. The short version is I really liked it. Uh, I can elaborate from there if you need me to. Uh, I think some of you just need to hear that I liked it. <laughs> I think that's that's maybe the important part of the conversation is because, you know, there's it, there's almost a line in the sand with, you know, did you like Barbie or are you a misogynist? And uh, you know, <laughs> that's uh, I don't I don't need the I don't need the Barbie fans mad at me. I've already got the Cohen fans mad at me, and uh, uh, Jesus, I really don't need the Barbie fans mad at me because the 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 Cohen brothers fans at least know that they don't have a leg to stand on if they call me a misogynist. The Barbie people, they they can get scary, uh, and I mean that with love because I did like the movie quite a bit. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about how much I liked it and why. If you're Somehow unfamiliar with the plot of the movie. Look, spoilers are ahead if that matters to you, but I hope that it doesn't. Uh, we're, uh, let me give you a brief, 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 inaccurate rundown of the plot. Uh, Barbie, you know Barbie, played by the is inimitable a good word for it. What does inimitable mean? Somebody email me at the address and tell me what inimitable means. The uh, always wonderful Margot Robbie plays uh, Barbie, and she wakes up in Barbie land and looks around and says hi to all the other Barbies and goes about her Barbie-ish life and is having a grand old time. Everything's happy and rosy and pink. And uh, the Kens are there. There's a bunch of different guys who are Kens. Uh, the most notable one is, uh, 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 oh God, Ryan Gosling. I almost said Mark Paul Gosler, who... That would have made sense, too, but, like, 15 years ago, Mark Paul Gosler is, is Ken. Huh. Anyway, uh, the Kens are there as well, and the Kens basically are just hanging around doing Ken things, vying for the attentions of their respective Barbies, and uh, everything's just kind of a fun little world for a while there. But then our Barbie, our Margot Bobby, Margot Bobby, Margot Robbie Barbie, you see what happened there, right? With the, please don't send me emails, Barbie fans. I, I, my mouth got confused between Robbie and Barbie, and I called her Margot Bobby. Sorry, I like her. I really like her, and I like you too. Uh, she, uh, our Barbie, starts to have intrusive thoughts of things like mortality and sadness and things like that, and she has to figure out what's going wrong because everybody else is like, what? You know, and it's it's like this big scandal that Barbie is having basically outside of Barbie Land thoughts, you know, because Barbie Land is a utopia, they've decided. And uh, it's, you know, how could she possibly be unhappy here? Even the weird Barbie is happy. Uh, the weird Barbie, of course, played by, uh, uh, what's her name from SNL? Oh, God. This, this segment is not going my way, Barbie fans. I promise that I know the names of famous women. Uh, 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 she's got the crazy eyes, but that just kind of draws you in. Kate McKinnon. Uh, Kate McKinnon plays the weird Barbie. 
Uh, but anyway, the, the whole thing is all the other Barbies are like, you gotta fix yourself. And Barbie's like, okay. So she figures out that the intrusive thoughts are coming from outside of Barbie land, from, she thinks, the kid that is playing with her, you know, with her toy, Barbie. She thinks, oh, that kid is sad, and I've gotta go, I've gotta go make things right for that kid. So she goes into the real world and takes Ken with her, because we need a plot, and, uh, <laughs> she, so she takes Ken with her, and, uh, they go into the real world, and she finds the kid, but it turns out that it wasn't the kid who was sad, it's the mom of the kid who was sad, and she's been kind of playing with the Barbie because the kid's getting older and hates her mom like kids do, and she's living an adult life, and she's bummed out, so that's just kind of impressing itself on Barbie. That's, that's, that's sort of what's happening. And so she goes about trying to make things feel better for the mom and the kid and, you know, make their relationship better and make their whole world a little bit better, and she brings them back to Barbie land. On the other hand, we've got Ken, who has been in the real world for a little bit and looked around and fallen in love with the patriarchy. <laughs> he loves that men run things because he's felt oppressed in Barbie land and didn't have words to express that until he went to the real world and saw how like what men run everything here. Men men on horses write everything here, which is a misconception that leads to hilarity later when he confesses that he didn't even really want to do a patriarchy once he figured out that it wasn't really about horses. But uh, that, that that's, that's just kind of a fun little runner that makes him redeemable in the end. Oh, he's not just a jerk, he's an idiot. Uh, and that's, you know, you can love an idiot, you can't love a jerk in a movie. So, so Ken takes the patriarchy back to Barbie land, and he beats Barbie there by a little bit. So he's got the patriarchy fully established, and the Barbies are fulfilling the role of Barbies in what we have been raised to think that Barbies are supposed to do. And uh, uh, it's uh, Barbie land is you know, colored by the outside world to the negative with a patriarchy now. And uh, Barbie and the other Barbies have to figure that shit out and get it corrected and redeem the whole situation. That's basically the plot of the movie, in a nutshell. Oh, and also Alan is running around. Alan is apparently Ken's best friend, but there's only one of him. There's not multiple Alans. There's one Alan, played by uh, that guy from the... Uh, uh, what is his name? See, I'm not a misogynist. I also don't know his name. Uh, 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 Jesse, not Jesse Eisenberg. Uh, fucking super bad guy. Uh, Michael Sarah. Ha ha ha! Michael Sarah. Uh, he plays Alan. That's uh, if I have a criticism of the movie, that's it. That like I didn't. I had to rely entirely on context clues to understand what the deal was with Alan, which, by the way, worked. I got there. But, like, I was born in 1980, and I was a little boy in the 80s playing with G.I. Joes, because that's what I was supposed to play with, uh, and I don't know anything about the Barbie universe. By the way, it wouldn't have been a problem if I wanted to play with Barbies. That would have been accepted by my liberal father. But uh, I just, you know, didn't. Uh, so I didn't know anything about Alan. I, I felt like that was kind of a deep cut that they didn't really, like, they just kind of dropped him in almost immediately and didn't explain him very well at first. You had to kind of pick up on it later. It ended up working out, but if I had one criticism, I just felt like Alan was a really deep cut. That's it. And if that's the worst criticism I can come up with, then this movie was great. And, hey, I got news for you. This movie was great. Uh, it... It, it it pissed off all the right people, all the people that needed to be pissed off about it. You know, Christian fundamentalists. 
mostly, uh, and male ones in particular, and a lot of female ones. Uh, but yeah, it pissed off the right people. And here's the thing. I can see where someone with a, even an unwittingly patriarchal view of the world, which by the way, I'm sure I have some of that too. I don't want to, you know, my hands are not clean. They're just, maybe I've rinsed them off and need to find a little bit of soap, but you know. Uh, the, uh, uh, a, a lot, I can see where someone with that worldview would look at this movie and, and think that the message is that, oh, women should be running everything, men are, are worthless, men are stupid, men are garbage, that's what this movie is, blah, 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 and wah. You know, I could see where that could be someone's interpretation. It's absolutely incorrect, because the movie is about equality. The movie makes a very pointed and conscious decision to point out to you repeatedly that any archy doesn't work. Patriarchy doesn't work and ruins what other people consider utopia. Matriarchy also doesn't work because then you're just oppressing the men. What works is people being unified, people being respected equally, people holding each other up. That's what works. That's what society is supposed to be. That's how the world is supposed to work. Memo to every fucking business in America. That's what the movie's about. I can see where people have a misread of it. Those people need to go back to school and actually listen in classes this time. It's a wonderful movie that does a great job of pointing out what our society is and what our society could be if we just got our heads out of our asses. I loved it. And I'll tell you this, it did some things in a, in a very, very smart way, because of course it did, because it had to. Barbie has a breakthrough moment very early in the movie that... When you have this scene written on a page, you could be very tempted to have this toward, like, at the start of Act 3, at the, toward the very end of the movie. You could, you could definitely push this scene to a different part of the movie way later and have the movie have a completely different tone, but they had it early, and I'll tell you why that was smart. What the scene is, is that Barbie, having arrived in the real world, is trying to figure some shit out and is sitting there at a bus stop and having kind of a moment of realization, and she looks over, and there's this older lady sitting there, and she kind of looks at the older lady and makes eye contact with her and smiles at the older lady and says, you're so beautiful. And the older lady looks back at her and says, I know it. And it's this, and they kind of share a laugh, and it's this beautiful, warm, emotional moment that if you've got a heart, chokes you up a little bit, you know, like I, I, I'm getting through talking about this, but just barely. Uh, it's this really beautiful moment that happens very early in the movie. And it's brilliant that they put it that early in the movie, because that could have been the message of the entire movie, that we all, we're all beautiful and we just have to open our eyes and see it. That could have been the entire message of the movie, and it would have been a legitimate message, but they put it at the very front, and that was brilliant, because they immediately made Barbie stop being plastic and made her real. That was brilliant. They, they took away, because they could have had her walk through that entire movie just being plastic, artificial, nonsense Barbie, but she became a human being early on. She dropped the plastic, and she got real, and that made the entire movie work. You got to have the vapid, plastic, ignorant Ken. He got to run around and play that part, 
But the titular character, the one that we are hanging our hopes on, she is a well-developed human being immediately. And that was genius. That was so perfect. It really won me over, like, right away, just by doing stuff like that. The detractors of this movie, let's face it, most of them didn't even watch it. Some of them would watch it and maybe feel a little something right there, and they'd have to figure out what they're feeling. Show it to a couple of Republicans in your life, kids. Take it from your old Uncle Derek. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, I loved it. Look, the whole movie is great. There's some great guest star cameos. There's some really high comedy. There's some really uh, moving drama. I, I absolutely loved it. It's, it's wonderful. Uh, the only criticism I had, like I said, is the Alan thing. The only other criticism, I and it's not even a criticism, the, the only other thing that I thought, oh, that would have been fun, is that they have Helen Mirren uh, doing the narration. She's the narrator of the piece. And she did a great job because she's Helen Mirren. I love Helen Mirren. But, like, the movie starts off in kind of like, you know, like an almost in the beginning type of voiceover situation. And, like, I saw that, and it felt kind of Lord of the Ringsy. and I really wished that they would have had uh, Kate Blanchett doing the voiceover there. Just that would have been <laughs> kind of wonderful just to have that full tie-in, but... Hey, if if Helen Mirren is who you've got doing that, who am I to complain, you know? Uh, see the Barbie movie if you haven't. If you somehow haven't, if you're the person that hasn't seen the Barbie, Barbie movie, see the Barbie movie. It's so overwhelmingly wonderful. And it's funny, and it's smart, and it's beautiful, and you should see it. And you should uh, probably buy the soundtrack, because there's a really fucking good Billie Eilish song in it. Uh, oh, oh, that's actually huge. The, uh, the only, uh, look, the other complaints that I just issued, the Alan thing, fine, whatever, that worked out. The Kate Blanchett, you know, as the narrator thing, that would have just been for me, uh, fine, whatever. The one real criticism that I have is that I waited the entire fucking movie. I waited all throughout the entire fucking movie, knowing that it would be in the credits, knowing that was the only place they could do it, waited the entire fucking movie... For the needle to drop on Aqua's Barbie Girl. And I figured as soon as the credits hit, you'd, I'm a Barbie girl, and I, I figured that was going to happen. But here's the thing. It did, kind of, but it was in a fucking sample in somebody else's song. It wasn't even the song. It was in a fucking sample. And I don't know who the outro song was. I'm sure it was somebody that the kids think is important. But it was, you know, just the nonsense rap speak that you hear all the time, and then there's a sample, and the sample is the only part you remember because it's the only good part of the song. Just fucking play the Aqua song. Have everybody else fuck off. Just play the Aqua song. It's perfect. It's what needs to go over your credits, and you've got somebody sing-talking over the top of it, and we're just sitting there going, yeah, come on, Barbie, let's go party. That's the, that's the part I want to hear. You know? That's my only real criticism of the whole thing. And that's in the credits. So, you know. Again, what am I really complaining about? A song. You know. Otherwise, perfect, wonderful, flawless movie. Just needed a different music sting at the end. In my opinion, I'm sure somebody else is furious about that. DB at DerekBrink.com. Tell me how wrong I am about something to do with Aqua or whoever sang the bastardized version of that song at the end. 
call me whatever you're gonna like call me whatever you're gonna call me but you know while you're doing it why don't you just go ahead and also tell me what your favorite coen brothers film is i bet it's gonna be raising arizona good clip we're going to talk about some music some music from the past really two years that i just sort of forgot to review in the last couple of months sorry somewhere between the last you know two and 24 months i just didn't get around to reviewing some stuff we're gonna fix that right now i have uh four cds that i want to talk about really five because one of them's a double disc oh really six because two of them are double discs well, aren't you in for a treat? This isn't going to take that long. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is the newest release by the band Tears for Fears. It's called The Tipping Point. It came out in 2022, and I completely overlooked it that year. Picked it up in 2023. Meant to check it out when I heard that it was coming out, because I like Tears for Fears. They're one of my favorite bands of the 80s. Like, in the uh, camps that, for some reason, you have to choose to be tribalistic about music, for God's sake. Uh, bigger Tears for Fears guy than a Duran Duran guy. Uh, Duran Duran's fine, but Duran Duran fans, you need to admit that it's fucking disco. You're listening to, to, to disco. And that's fine. I like disco. I like, I, I like ABBA. I like the Bee Gees. I got no problem with disco. But you're, you're, you're listening to disco. And you need to own that. You need to own that you're a disco fan. It's okay. A lot of people are. Everybody kind of is. But I, I, I feel like you don't know that about yourself. And you need to confront that and just make that a part of who you are. If you're a big Duran Duran fan. You love disco. Me, in the 80s, sort of, what, post-pop, new wave you know, thing that happened... Uh, I landed much more in the Tears for Fears camp because they reminded me a lot more of David Bowie, uh, who, let's face it, also did some disco here and there, but uh, Tears for Fears had a little bit more of that takes-themselves-slightly-too-seriously vibe that I really dig. You're gonna hear more about that as this segment goes on, I bet. Uh, but yeah, they have that slightly-takes-themselves-too-seriously vibe, but at the same time, I always felt like when I saw them in the videos, I felt like, oh... Those are probably the clothes that they were wearing when they came into the video shoot. Whereas Duran Duran, I always felt like were very precise. I I'm sorry that I'm singling out Duran Duran. Let me change my wording a little bit. Whereas many of the other 80s bands in the new wave sort of, you know, post-punky thing, uh, a lot of those bands I felt like were very meticulous and crafted and very much about their look and i felt like tears for fears just kind of yes they had ridiculous hair as everybody did in the 80s but if i always felt like they were a little bit more working class and i respected that and i still respect that and uh i i'm talking a lot about the past i should talk about the much more recent past with uh, the tipping point really wonderful album it's uh very different if the last time you checked in on Tears for Fears was either Shout or Head Over Heels or Seeds of Love 
or uh, uh, I'm forgetting one, Everybody Wants to Rule the World or Mad World, if th those are the last places you checked in on them, it's, it's a different vibe, a little less synth-driven, a little bit more earthy feeling, a little bit more uh, uh, Roland, um, uh, whose last name I've never known how to pronounce, uh, Roland Orzabel, I think? Uh, I'm looking at the name while I'm trying to say O-R-Z-A-B-A-L. Orzabal? Orzabel. Orzabal. Roland, I think you can, I, you'll know who I'm talking about if it's say Roland. Uh, he has always had one of those voices that's very kind of, you can hear that he's pushing from the diagram, di diagram, from the diaphragm, but sort of pushing it then out through the head, like he's, he's sort of holding back the diaphragm. He, he always had that voice of the sort of, uh, uh, Shout, shout, let it all out. You know, a very sort of, uh, not, I, it's not whiny, but it's sort of, you can feel him really pushing out the lyrics and trying to sound emotional and passionate. You, you know, he always had that kind of approach to his singing, and that is way dialed back. I've watched some recent live footage, and he can still do that, but he really dialed it back on the tipping point. He's a lot more conversational in his singing approach. You can tell his voice is a lot more lived in. He's, you know, aged since the 80s. Who hasn't? Uh, but he's got a much more sort of earthy tone to his voice that I think is really interesting and cool to hear on this. And, and uh, Kurt, uh, uh, not Kurt Smith, that's somebody else. Kurt, uh, no, Kurt Smith, I'm right. Kurt Smith, the other guy in Tears for Fears. Uh, very, very similar type of review, except he was a little bit less, uh, uh, you know, he had a little bit less of that tone in his voice back in the day. He's... He's, uh, his voice has probably aged a little bit differently than, than has Roland's, but, um, both of them, you can tell, have done a lot of growing up over the years. I mean, there was a time there where those two guys weren't even, you know, talking. There was a band split, and Roland released a couple albums without Kurt, and then they got back together, and, you know, the whole love story that happens in any band that keeps going... Uh, but they they came together again in 2022. They put out the tipping point, and for a band that you may associate with synths, the synths, I mean, that's way dialed back. You, you might not even recognize it as the same band because time changes everything. But you've got a band who is presenting a different version of themselves, but the songs, they're just as catchy. You, there's still some real earworms on the record, I really, really loved hearing it. Picked it up in 2023, gave it a spin, and went, well, that should have been on my top 10 of 2022. I don't know how I missed that at the time. Just one of those things. Knew it was coming out, thought I'd get to it, didn't, and then got around to it late. That's, that's what happened. And I'm glad I finally have it in my life. I'm glad that I finally have dug into it, because it's a really great record, and it makes me want to examine some of the Tears for Fears stuff that maybe we don't all know quite so well. We've all got songs from the big chair, you know, or or just one of the hits collections, which has like half a songs from the big chair on it. But, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot, I mean, any band like that, there's a lot that you can experience that you probably didn't. And hearing their most recent album makes me want to experience some of that stuff. So I'm thinking about doing a little bit of a Tears for Fears deep dive, which won't be that tough. I think they only have about six records but uh, this one's certainly one of, the, one of the ones I've enjoyed the most of the ones I've heard. So Tears for Fears, The Tipping Point. If you're like me, late to checking it out, please check it out. Absolutely worth your time.
Another one from 2022 that I want to talk about is the newest one, or I think the newest one, unless he put out something in 2023 that I don't know about, which is always possible with this guy because he's very prolific. Uh, but I think the newest one by Devin Townsend. It's called Lightwork. Devin Townsend, one of those prog rock, prog metal guys that I love so much and that if you know him, you probably love his work too. Uh, Lightwork is his most recent one that I'm aware of. It's a double disc that's actually kind of light work and night work. So you, you see the what he's doing there. Uh, bright side and dark side type of situation. Uh, it's, it's uh, you know, prog rock metal masterpiece as he is wont to do. But I'll tell you this. I like a lot of what Devin Townsend does. I don't love all of it. His album that was out before this one was called Empath, and it's got some good songs on it, but I thought suffered from a mix that just made me not like the record very much because it was a very quiet mix. It felt like he got it all mixed and then forgot to master it. That's sort of what I walked away with feeling from Empath. I think I reviewed it on this show before previously. But Lightwork, if it is an uneven mix, I haven't noticed because the songs are so fucking good and so immersive. Devin Townsend has a way of doing really big compositions, really swelling, overwhelming, huge-sounding songs. And he does that all over light work slash night work. And he also has a way of pulling all that back and doing really simple little quiet moments that are very intriguing. And he does that all over this album, too. And I gotta tell you... This is probably my favorite Devin Townsend album now. Uh, for years, it was Accelerated Evolution. Uh, like, I really liked that album. I, I am apparently somewhat strange in Devin Townsend camps for feeling that way. But I really like that album. And, uh, I mean, I also like Terria. I also like Synchestra and etc., yeah, etc. Et but uh, Lightwork, really overwhelmingly beautiful. Just some really beautiful, like, even the darkest, heaviest stuff on it has a hint of really beautiful stuff going on in there, too. He just nailed it with this one. This is... I, 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 don't, know, I don't know how to describe it. It's just his, his best work, I think. I don't know if he feels that way. I don't know if other Devin Townsend fans feel that way. I was late to finding the album. I meant to. I, I knew it came out in 2022, but I didn't like Empath in what 2019. Whenever he put that out, I didn't care for that one very much. So I thought, eh, I'll get around to the latest Evan record eventually. And I eventually just kind of bumped into it, picked it up, listened to it, and went, "Holy shit! I should have gotten this on day one. I've been missing out." Friends, don't write off somebody that you like just because they put out one thing that you didn't like as much. That's gonna happen. That's always going to happen. There's all, Your favorite band is always going to put out a record that you go, eh. And then the next one, you're going to go, wow, where was this on the last one? You know, or whatever. I, I don't feel quite that way about Empath. But you're, you're going you're gonna to come back to your favorite bands. You're going to come back to the, the guys that <laughs> make you buy their signature guitar effect pedal, which, by the way... I bought. It's on my board. I don't know if I ever went through that with you on the show. That'd be a fun episode to do in these uh, these little times when we don't have a lot to talk about on the shows. I should take you through my pedal board again and just talk about guitar stuff for a while, because a lot has changed since the last time I did that. I've got the Devin Townsend Ocean Machine pedal on my board, and I love it. 
uh, you're eventually going to fall back in love with the guys who you invest in like that. And Lightwork definitely got me back on his side. I can't wait for the next thing, which, again, may already be out. I'm a little bit out of touch. He's a little hard to keep track of if you don't just really try, you know? Because <laughs> he's one of those guys that not everybody mentions, and your record store might not just organically stock his stuff. So I, you know, every now and again I miss one, so sorry if this isn't actually his most recent one or if he's got one coming out this week, you know, whatever. I, uh, I, the point is I really love this album. I love, it's a double disc, and at no point is it boring, you know? And even the cover, the cover is very simple. The cover is just a, you know, basic white background, just has the title and his name at the top. Simple drawing of a lighthouse with an octopus kind of crawling up up it. Back is very simple. It's got an octopus and a little cat on it because uh, the night work imagery is like a little cat walking around at night, little little night owl cat. Uh, which, by the way, I don't know where my cats have been during this episode. They've been hiding out, just being sweet little quiet boys. Good boys, wherever you are. Daddy loves you. Uh, but uh, the the artwork on this album is very, very simple, and you kind of look at it and go, well, that's... Something about the simplicity of that is drawing me into it. There's something about how simple that album cover is that makes me want to know more about it. And then you hear the songs, and you go, wow, these songs... I want to dive deeper into these songs. These songs are just... They're presenting me with this, this picture that I just want to know more about. It's perfect artwork, folks. Which, by the way, the physical product still matters in that way, because it, it draws you in. It gives you something to hold on to and to look at and to dive deeper in and to think about and to to kind of play with and move around in your hands. You can't you can't put your arms around an MP3. I always like to say I think I stole that saying from my brother, who may have stole it from somewhere else. Maybe we'll remember to ask him on the next Fab fifteen episode, which should probably be soon, but we haven't talked about it. We'll do one. One of these days. Anyway, the most recent one by Devin Townsend, Light Work. Absolutely wonderful record. Probably my favorite Devin Townsend album now. Not only should it have been in my top 10 of 2022, it should have been in the top 5. But you know, we all make mistakes. We are now caught up to 2023, and uh, we've got uh, one that I actually don't have a lot to say about. I just, I sort of just forgot that it was out at the time. Uh, Ed Sheeran, who put out, uh, what, uh, Subtract last year, also put out Autumn Variations later in the year, and I bought it, and I listened to it, and I liked it, and I completely forgot about it when it was time to make my Fab 15. Whoops. Uh, I, there's nothing wrong with it. I, I, You know, it's not that I dislike it. It's not that it didn't grab me. It grabbed me in roughly the same way the Subtract album is. I just, uh, or did, I don't know why I said is, uh, it grabbed me in roughly the same way that the Subtract album did. I just kind of, like, here's the problem. I started investigating Ed Sheeran after I got that album, and now I, I, I like, I listened to the newest one, to Autumn Variations, and just kind of forgot that it was this year. Now I don't know when any of his music came out because it's all new to me. That's the problem. Uh, so it's fine. It's in the same vein as uh, the Subtract album. It's probably a little bit more personal for him, it seems like. Uh, I still like it. He's still a ginger singer-songwriter. He's one of me. 
and I like it. I, I, you know, I've been enjoying learning more about Ed's career. The only thing I don't love about what I've heard of his stuff, I don't love when he raps. And that's just partially I'm not a rap fan, which, you know, that's fine. People aren't rock fans, whatever. But I, I just... I understand, like, somebody took the time, one of my cousins actually took the time to explain to me that rapping is actually a big deal for Ed, because he, you know, likes it a lot, but also, he grew up with a stutter, and having overcome the stutter, it's a big deal to be able to rap and to say words that quickly and not stammer over them, and it's actually kind of a big success for him that he uh, is able to do it, and that's, that's really cool. That's a really cool story. I don't want to take anything away from that. I, myself, have struggled with a stutter uh, when I was younger. I still do now. You guys hear it from time to time. I'm sure you've heard it in this upload so far. It comes across, I think, with me as a little bit more of just a verbal tick or just kind of, you, you might blink and miss it. It's a lot of uh, when I'm excited or when I'm angry. It's a lot of just sort of winding up into my next thought. It just seems like I'm making sound waiting to get to my next thought. No, my, my mouth isn't catching up with me. It's, 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 uh, uh, there it is. There it is. That was actually a good example. I'm sitting here and it, I'm winding up into the word it's. Like that happens to me. I understand. Struggling with the stutter, I really, really do, and I'm very, I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm, uh, that's really cool. That's really awesome. That's great. I'm proud of him. Guys who look like us just shouldn't rap. That's it. I think it looks silly. I think it sounds silly when ginger white guys try to rap, and he does it well. I'm not saying he doesn't do it well. He does it very well. I just don't think he should is the thing. Stick to the acoustic guitar, man. That's that's where most of us love you. You know? But at the same time, he's a multimillionaire several times over, and I'm recording this in my kitchen in the suburbs, and the sound conditions could be better. So, you know, maybe he knows things that I don't. Entirely possible. Entirely possible. But that's, uh, look... Ultimately, the stuff of his that I like, I really, really like, and Autumn Variations is on that list, and probably should have been on my Fab 15 list, should have probably been a tie situation with Subtract, because they kind of feed into each other in a way that I'm realizing now that I'm talking about it. Uh, again, just, whoops, sorry, meant well, A, on the record, for a grade, it gets an A, really like it. I just fucked up. Sorry. You can email me along with the Cohen fans and the Barbie fans, I guess. db at derekbrink.com because of the rap thing. But my heart's in the right place, I think. Moving on! Uh, we have one more to talk about. One more CD to talk about. One more album, I guess. If you, some of you are not collecting CDs and you're missing out. Uh, but uh, one more album to, to talk about. And, Checkmates, I'm going to make a big statement. Well, I'm going to make a big statement relative to this show. Uh, <laughs> I'm, going to make, I'm going to make a statement, I guess I should say. Uh, go to my Fab 15 list, or my top 10 if you read the blog, whatever. Go to my Fab 15 albums list of 2023. Look at it. 
get up to number three, which is Boy Genius's The Record, and then from number four, move everything down one. So everything after Boy Genius, move everything down one, and at number four, insert Peter Gabriel's 2023 release, I.O. It is a stunning record that it came out in December. I'm not terribly late to it. It's one of those records that I knew was coming that I thought, you know, it's, it's coming out late in the year. Even if I picked it up, it wouldn't make the list because I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to make a last minute decision like that, et cetera, et cetera. I knew it was coming. He gave us plenty of, plenty of, plenty of, plenty of notice that it was coming. And I'll get into that in a minute. But I just kind of didn't get into it in time. I got it after the list was done and all that. And I started listening to it late. And I started listening to it really only in earnest in 2024. And my God, what a great record. Now let me take a step back and tell you a little bit about it. I.O. is an album that... Uh, well, let me start with... I'm not, uh, I'm not... I haven't ever been the world's biggest Peter Gabriel fan. Like, in my 3,000 CD collection, the one Peter Gabriel album in there is the one you expect to be in there, and that's So. I've got the So album in there, because I like In Your Eyes because of that John Cusack movie, you know? And Sledgehammer was a cool video, and I like Big Time and Red Rain. There's a lot to like about that album. But I'd, I'd never branched out beyond that. But I knew that in 2023, in January, Peter Gabriel started releasing new songs from what was going to be his new album, I.O. And he was releasing them at every full moon. And then at every new moon, he was releasing a different mix of that song, and uh, he was that's just sort of how he was doing things. He went the year releasing new music that way. And that's already a very Peter Gabriel thing to do, but it gets deeper, because here's the thing. The I.O. record has been in the works for over 20 years. He first started talking about it, I think, 27 years ago. And it's his first album of completely new solo material in 21 years. Now, he's had a couple things in the me- in the middle there. He had, I think, a soundtrack or two. He had uh, uh, an album where he did cover songs with an orchestra. He had an album where he did reworked versions of some of his old songs with an orchestra. That's not the same thing. There's a separation there. This is his first album of completely new compositions in 21 years. And he announced it, that he was working on it, 27 years ago. So there's a lot riding on the reputation of this album. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not the world's biggest Peter Gabriel guy, So if you're going to ask me, well, was it worth a 27-year wait? I cannot answer that question for you. My guess is probably not, because nothing ever is. Looking at you, Chinese democracy. uh, Nothing ever lives up to a couple decades of hype. So those of you who are massive Peter Gabriel fans, maybe you can answer that for others. Maybe you can answer that for yourself. Maybe you can email me at db at derekbrink.com and tell me if you think it was worth a 20-year wait, 21 to 27-year wait. For me, I didn't know all that. All I knew was that in 2023, he started releasing new music at the every time there was a full moon, and that it was building toward an album that was to be called I.O., 
and I heard the first, you know, song, the first single, whatever, and went, that's, there's something there. You know what? I'm going to check that album out when it, when it eventually comes out. When he finally puts out that album, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a listen. You know, and I, I didn't check back in. And then it came out in December, and I even knew it was coming out, but I sort of waited. You know, I sort of went, eh, you know, I'll, I'll get to it. Not a big Peter Gabriel guy. I'll get to it. And then I was listening to someone else's podcast, and they mentioned it, and they mentioned how great it was, and it was somebody whose music taste I tend to agree with. And I thought, well, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give that a listen. And I gave it a listen, and I went, I got, I got like three songs in, and I went, oh, oh my god. Oh my god, this is brilliant. This is great. It's so beautiful, and so emotive, and dark in places, and happy in other places, and my god, he's still got it. I haven't heard anything since so, but this is great. And I bought the album, and I dug in deep, and here's the thing. The album has two CDs in it. If you buy the CD, it's probably four LPs. If you buy the vinyl, I don't really know. I don't. I, did, I got it on CD. But it's, it's the same album twice, but it's what's known as the Bright Side Mix, which is a little bit brighter and cleaner and, and warmer and happier sounding, and the Dark Side Mix, which is a little bit more, you know, dark, I guess, is the way to say it. And then you've got lunatics like me, who have recording software, who did exactly what Peter Gabriel probably wants us to do, and we dumped it all into our recording software, and we played both mixes at the same time to see how it links up, and we got a very big, overwhelming, huge, swelling experience that was just, oh, wow, I'm gonna, I'm gonna need to think about this for a while. And some of it doesn't match up perfectly, but that's also kind of cool. Uh, so there's a lot going on with this album. It uh, is an album that was released one song at a time, every time there was a full moon. It's an album that was in the works for 20 plus years. It has two alternate mixes that you can combine into one mix. It's called I.O., which is short for input slash output, but is also one of the names of the 80 moons of Jupiter. It is quite possibly the most Peter Gabrielist thing that has ever Peter Gabrieled. And uh, I... Love it. I, I, I love it. It's, it's amazing. It's incredible. It is breathtaking. If you're in any way a Peter Gabriel person, give it a listen. I think you're going to be very pleasantly surprised, as was I. So pleasantly surprised was I by it that I re-listened to the So album, and I thought, you know what? I have overlooked his other albums for way too long, and I need to look into them. And I listened to a little bit on your Spotify and what have you, just to figure out what I wanted to buy and all that. And I did a little bit of reading, and I know his first four solo albums are highly regarded by people and are talked about by his fans a lot. So I thought, well, I, okay, I want the first four albums, and there's a couple other that I remember being around at the time that I meant to check out and didn't, and I want to get those, you know? So I, I went to eBay thinking maybe... Like, every now and again, somebody posts an eBay lot of a, you know, just like, here's a bunch of CDs by somebody that I don't want anymore, and you can buy them, you know? So I thought, maybe I can find his first four CDs just in a lot on eBay and get them all for 20 bucks or something, you know? So I went to eBay, and I was poking around just looking for that deal, and I stumbled into a much better one. I'm not going to say the numbers, but I uh, have, on its way to my house now... 
the complete Peter Gabriel collection. I've got 18 CDs on its way to me. Some in the original shrink wrap, some used, that I bought as a lot for, I'm just going to say a two-digit number. Less than a quarter of what it's actually worth. Let me just say that. A number that I would have been happy paying for just the four CDs. And it's on its way to my house, and I'm going to have the complete Peter Gabriel, and I'm going to do one hell of a deep dive. Because he's always been interesting to me. I've always kind of, you know, I've gone, oh, what's, what's he doing? I've paid a little bit of attention, but never really dived in. And now I'm diving in. Because I.O. is that fucking good. It should have been in my top five last year. It should have been at number four. And you know what? Frankly, number four with a bullet. Because this thing is in my blood, and it hasn't left it, and it's changing a lot, of, a lot of opinions that I've had about what he's done in the past. It's changing a lot of opinions about what I've, what I've had of what music can be doing in 2023 and uh, 24. It's, uh, it's just really, really dug its nails deep into me. And I do not want it to leave. It's a great album. I.O. by Peter Gabriel. My God, listen to this fucking album. It's phenomenal. It's not going to be for everybody because it's a Peter Gabriel album. So it has that kind of, you know, uh, pretentious is the wrong word because he isn't doing it with any pretense. But it's got that synonym for pretentious that doesn't mean pretentious vibe about it. It's got that very kind of, uh, 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 what, I, I need a better word than pretentious. Uh, very kind of, uh, regal seems a little bit too kind. <laughs> it's got, it takes itself very seriously. Let's put it that way. It takes itself very seriously, and there's a lot of, you know, kind of, there there is some darkness on it. There is some kind of, melancholy on it but there's also some real moments of joy and happiness and fun that creep their way in in a way that can only happen i think when you're when you've been around a little while and rock stars age slower than the rest of us peter gabriel and i in all in all intents and purposes are probably the same age and uh he uh he's uh he's uh he's writing stuff that i really want to hear now and he probably always was because he was a little ahead of his time. I mean, hell, in Genesis, he was ahead of his time. And I think he's kind of caught up to his time now, and he's doing it elegantly and perfectly. It's, it's just wonderful. Check it out, Peter Gabriel people, or people who have been intrigued by anything that I've said. It's a wonderful, wonderful record, and you should really, really hear it. I'm disappointed in myself for waiting more than four weeks to get into it. So check it out. Immediately. Like, we're almost at the outro of the show. You can skip that part of the show if you need to, and as much as the metrics people will hate me saying that, you can skip that part of the show if you need to, and you can you can listen to a couple Peter Gabriel songs off of I.O., and you'll have a really good time. Really great record. Really great record. Top five for me. Top four. Jesus, it maybe should even be in the top three, but I don't want to do that to Boy Genius or to Paramore or to Jason Isbell. But I, I, I just really love this album, man. I really love this album. Have you gotten that sense yet? Let me say it one more time. 
I really love this album. down. Boy, I still have a lot more I could say about Peter Gabriel. Tell you that, I, I really read a lot in the last couple of weeks about, like, that album and, and that guy. I, I could just go on and on. Like, his voice still sounds great. A little more lived in, a little bit rawer, but God, he's got such a good voice. Especially at his age, so many people blow it out, but he's, he still sounds amazing. And also, like, the first song is called Pan Panopticon, which is not a word, but Panopticon is Panopticon is a thought experiment where a bunch of inmates are being watched by only one guard, but they don't know who the guard is, and they don't know if he's watching. So that's kind of an interesting concept. But that's not what he wrote about. He wrote about a Panopticon, which is a planet-sized information network that he thinks can happen, where uh, all information is shared and edited by the uh, people who are accessing it. It's basically Wikipedia. I don't think, uh... I don't think Peter Gabriel knows about Wikipedia. Anyway, I could go on and on. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, other stuff going on in my life. I'm still reading Getty Lee's autobiography. Probably a full segment in that at some point. Although, really, what am I gonna say? I like it. You know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's like the shortest segment I could possibly do. Getty Lee's autobiography called My and Life. Uh, I like it. Haven't finished it yet, but I like it. It's a quicker read than you think it's going to be when you look at it, because it's a thick book, but the font is generously sized, so you move through it pretty fast. Um, it's good. I'm enjoying it. Just haven't finished it yet. A little short on time. That's, you know, that's kind of the other thing. I mean, I could talk to you about work, but who really wants to, you know? I don't want to talk about work. I, uh, bought some new socks recently. There's, uh, they're, they're, they're those, uh, they're those grippy socks. Like the ones with the sort of silicone stuff on the bottom that make you grip the floor a little bit better. Uh, not quite what I ordered. They're, uh, they're the no-show socks, so they don't go, like, much above your ankle. They kind of cut off at your ankle, so they, they won't show underneath the shoe, and they're the grippy socks. Didn't order that, but that's what I got, and I decided to wear them anyway, around the house, just keep my feet warm, without bothering the cats, because the cats are afraid of my shoes for some reason. I don't know why. Never been stepped on, never been kicked. But I, I, it's, I'm wearing grippy socks, and it's fine. That's it. That's what I got going on. I'm reading the Getty Lee book, and I'm wearing grippy socks. Hope you're doing okay, checkmates. Thank you so much for giving me your time, inviting me into your house or car or phone, Bluetooth speaker things, earbuds, that's what those are called, uh, or whatever you are doing to listen to this. Thank you for doing it. Really, really appreciate you making me part of your week or month or whatever you do to listen to the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for letting me do this. 
Checkmates, please remember to do whatever keeps you happy, healthy, and safe. Please remember that black lives matter, that LGBTQIA plus rights are human rights, that women's rights are human rights, and that shouldn't have to tell you any of that. And by the way, I occasionally get emails asking me why I say that in every episode, that stuff, and the answer to that question is a self-fulfilling prophecy because I keep getting emails about it. So remember all of that stuff. And after that, please remember, please remember, be good to each other, be good to yourself, forgive each other, and forgive yourself. And while you're doing all that, check us out next time. Come on, Barbie, let's go party. See, it doesn't work in someone else's song.